Would you place your hand over your heart and say after me as a prayer, Oh, Holy Spirit, please give me power to receive all Jesus has for me tonight. Oh, Holy Spirit, please Give me the power to receive all Jesus has for me tonight. For the Father's glory and in Jesus' name, amen. It was over 3,000 years ago, at this very time, that Moses was meeting face to face with God. He had gone up to Mount Sinai at Shavuot or at Pentecost. He came down, there was the golden calf, the broken tablets. Time went by, he went up to the mount again. He met God, and God gave him the details of the kingdom, his values, his morals, his heart's desires, his culture. He loved them in such detail, he even gave them principles of hygiene and how to bring healing to each other's bodies. Nothing was missed. And when Moses came down from that mountain, his face was so full of the glory, no one could see him and gaze upon him. Moses came down from that mountain sometime in the next 48 hours. That would be the anniversary. Because God gave Moses a calendar and that calendar has never changed for 3,000 years. So when we mark anniversaries that are in Scripture, according to the biblical calendar, we know we are on it. At sundown tonight began what God called Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. It is considered the highest and the holiest day and the most humbling day. While we as Westerners are not typically familiar, Yom Kippur is when God stoops low. And he says, I, I know you can't purify yourself. May I purify you, please? And may I give you a way to believe that I have made you pure. It is an uncompromising invitation of love and of oneness. He gave the priest very specific steps, all prophetic of Christ. It's in Leviticus 16. It was very simple, really. The high priest would take two goats and he would take one goat, and this precious little goat would give his life 
and be sacrificed. And the high priest would go into the temple with the blood and he would swing the censer. And the censer would begin filling up the atmosphere with white smoke, symbolic of worship. And he would swing it, not say a word, just swing it, swing it, until the atmosphere was thick and heavy with nothing but a cloud of glory. And covered himself in this cloud of white smoke and incense and glory, he would step behind the veil and he would pour the blood on the mercy seat. And he would come close, closer than we know to the very presence and essence of the Most High God. He would come back out and he would take the second goat. He would lay his hands on the head of the goat and then begin confessing all the sins, all the weaknesses, all the regrets, the shortcomings, the fears, the doubts of the Jewish people. And they were all transferred to that precious little goat. It was a prophetic act for Israel to see. The goat was then led out into the wilderness. And they would wait five days and they would hope that the goat would not return. They would hope the goat would not return. And when the goat did not return, Israel would sigh relief. He really did take our sins far away from us. The high priest put the blood on the mercy seat first because the blood was for the heart of God. Because he wanted us to be close to him, but without seeing us through the eyes of the blood, he could never come close to us. His love and his grace is so brilliant and glory we would have been consumed by the power of light. But he knew that we could not receive him. No more than Israel could receive him. And so he gave them a visual of putting on this goat everything that made you feel distant from God or everything that made you have a regret or a sadness, or a doubt, or an uncertainty, or a dream unfulfilled, or a prayer that's never been answered, all of those things that can stir within us. They needed a visual of, I'm putting it on the scopes. It's not in me anymore. It's on him. And you know that both were prophetic of Jesus Christ. And in Isaiah 53, when he's talking about Jesus, he's using scapegoat language. This scapegoat was often called a tote goat. 
or a burden-bearing goat. And when you look in the Hebrew in Isaiah 53, Isaiah says he bore, he toted on his back our sins, our iniquities, our transgressions. He bore on his back our griefs, our sorrows, our sicknesses, our diseases. And he was sent away. No one wanted to have anything to do with him. At Yom Kippur, it was the father saying, yes, I'm on the throne. And I am the most high God. Sovereign, majestic, and beyond your comprehension. But I am a father, and I am love itself. And once a year, I must remind you again and again, lest it becomes familiar to you. I want you close to me. Nothing matters more than that. I want you close to me. And my son's blood was to clear the way so that you could enter into the presence of my glory and not be consumed by my brilliance of light. And the scapegoat, my son, was that so that you would have a visual that everything in your heart that makes you doubt my depth of love for you makes you feel guilty, condemned, question yourself. You've got to be perfect. You've got to perform. You've got to wonder what people think. Have I failed? Have I not? Whatever, whatever, whatever. It's on the scapegoat. Send it away. He knows that we are a people who even with truth become overly familiar with it. We lose our awe, our wonder. We lose the amazement and the fresh touch that it can bring to our life every day. And so with intentionality of loving us and pursuing us until his son came again, he laid out the calendar in Scripture. And every month has a specific revelation. And every one of these feasts has a specific attribute of his heart. He's drawing us. He's wooing us and saying, I know you love me. I know you believe in me. But you need a specific time each year for me to tell you again. I want nothing between us. The blood is there and there's nothing between me and you, the Lord would say. And he said, but more aptly, there's stuff in you that you think hinders. And so he's reminding you again, put it on the scapegoat, put it on the scapegoat, whatever the regrets are, whatever the fears are, whatever, whatever. He said, because at Yom Kippur, we start anew every year. We shut the door on anything and everything you want to put on that scapegoat. And it's taken out of your heart and out of your spirit and out of your mind by the mystery of the Christ himself. It cannot be explained. It is not step one, two, three, nor can you describe it to anyone. It is the mystery of the risen Christ at work who was also our scapegoat.
He says, please, I want you to dream with me brand new for your life. I want you to come close, and I want us to enter this next 12 months as face-to-face as I was with Moses on Mount Sinai. The blood opens the pathway. For by the blood of Jesus Christ, we enter the throne room. It is written in Hebrews chapter 9. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, that through him a greater and more perfect temple not made with hands, he entered once and for all into the holy place, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a heifer sanctified them in the old covenant, how much more so will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how much more so will it purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Dead works is kind of a tough phrase. It literally means any thoughts and emotions we have that don't contribute to divine health spiritually, emotionally, and physically, and relationally. Dead works are thoughts that go over and over in your mind, regrets or judgments or You name it, it's different for everyone. But they're just dead. And they make us dead, bit by bit. And the Father knowing us better than we know ourselves said, once a year, please stop. And with intentionality, see that the blood of Christ has flowed from the throne to you. And there's nothing between you And coming face to face with him. Except what you may have inside yourself. Hesitancies, doubts. And he said, but there's a way to clear out that if you want. Just see yourself. Laying your hands on the head of Jesus. Your scapegoat. And send into him whatever's in you. Sins, regrets, doubts. Waited too long for answered prayers, whatever. He's saying, please. He came for this. Send it into him. Because I really want to meet you face to face. And the sending into Jesus, it's not sackcloth and ashes. It's not guilt and condemnation. It's understanding the heart of the Father that he's saying, please 
come. I want oneness with you. I want friendship with you. I want intimacy with you. Come on. Toss those things on the scapegoat of my son and run to me. You have fears. You have anxieties. Put them on the scapegoat. Beautiful Jesus. He can carry them. We cannot. But it's a joyful thing that you realize, wait a minute, this stuff is holding back life in me. It's holding back the move of God in me. It's holding back the way I love others and the way I let him love me and the way I let others love me. Wait a minute, this is robbing me. Don't you want to get rid of it? He said, come on, it's a joyful thing. It's not like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's like, would you like to get rid of it? So I want to invite you in the next few moments. Move in prayer whatever is comfortable for you. We're going to be passing out communion and playing a song that's very simple. Set a fire in my soul. And I invite you as we're passing it out, don't just sit there and worship tonight. Pretty please be intentional and accept his invitation. With intentionality in your heart, speak into Jesus, our scapegoat. Anything. That hinders anything. He came for that. But do it with joy. Because Jesus is doing it with joy. Please, I came to take it. Give it to me. And run to the Father. Pour it into him. I'm going to ask our communion team to come and this is your time to release whatever you want into the beautiful scapegoat Jesus
And on that night, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. I'm going to be broken for you. And he did it freely. And as the writer of Hebrews tells us, he did it with great joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy of offering his body to you and to the body of Christ that all broken places in every realm and every sphere could be made whole again. That thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven could touch every realm of brokenness. This is the magnificent, revelatory, endlessly mysterious, trustworthy eternal body of Christ for you and for every man, woman, and child on this planet. Honor the Christ. He then took the cup and he said, this is my blood. And it's the blood of a new covenant, a new way of relating, a new way of moving in the earth that has never been seen before. It will indeed bring heaven to earth. It will indeed stir within you a desire to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love one another the way Jesus loves us. This blood erases, if you will, the old DNA of our personality, puts us in position for the power of the Holy Spirit to remake us, give us new personalities, new temperaments, new values, new ways of loving and receiving love. There is no end to the recreative powers of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's all for you, dear one. So may the freedom and the wholeness of the blood of the Messiah be yours. 
in the name of Jesus. And while Moses was atop Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, then five days after Yom Kippur, I want there to be another festival, another feast time. And I want it to be a time of great joy. Because now that you've come through Yom Kippur and the blood's there, you've sent things away, your mind is clear. And now you're going to begin seeing things differently, seeing them with the eyes of God, a bountiful eye, as Proverbs says. He says, so I want the people to build like little booths made from palm branches to remind themselves of when their forefathers were in the wilderness. But I don't want them to remember the quarreling and the murmuring. I want them to see the wilderness now with their clean Yom Kippur eyes, to see as I see. And in every evening, I want them to rest as a family and friends together. I want them to feast. I want them to be joyful. And I want them to rehearse the miracles I did in the wilderness. And he said, every day in the temple, I want the priest to walk from the temple all the way down to the pool of Siloam, take a ladle of water, and then once he would start back, the crowds would not make a sound. And he would walk in silence all the way back to the temple to pour it on the hot coals of the altar, and everyone would listen for the and to watch a perfect white column of smoke go up. They did it every day for seven days. And every day, 3,000 years ago, and every day now in Jewish homes, during the Feast of Tabernacles, Booths, Sukkot, all the same thing, they quote Isaiah 12, 3. And the focus is on this. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And they say it to each other. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And on the last day of this feast, Jesus is standing there in John chapter 7, verses 35 and following, and he proclaims, I got that water. You know, the water you've been saying you want, you want, and you're going to draw out of wells of salvation. I got that water, and I can put it in your belly. And I can make that living water flood out of you. You see, tonight is Yom Kippur, and it's his invitation to you to say, come on, come face to face. On my part, there's nothing between us. And if there's something in you, put it on Jesus, your scapegoat, and run to me. And if you're on the calendar, at sundown on September 23rd begins the Feast of Sukkot or Booths, lasts for seven days. And he said, now in the evening, just rest. Remember my love for you. Remember my miracles. Get with family. Get with friends. Feast. And you may think, well, is that important to God? 
listen to this. It's in Zechariah 14. He's talking about the last days. On that day there shall be no light, no cold, and no frost. It shall be a unique day which is known to the Lord. It'll neither be day nor night, but an evening time, and then there'll be light. He said, on that day, living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, half of them from the eastern sea and half to the western sea. It shall continue in summer and winter, no end to the living waters. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. He will be king. And on that day, the Lord will be one and his name will be one. <coughs> Verse 16. Anne, would you come for a moment? Mm -hmm. Do you need glasses to read? My Coke. Can you do it? In the end times. Right here. That's okay. I think my voice is clear. Let's give it a shot. Then everyone. My apologies for the disruption. I'm sorry, guys. In the end time. Living waters flowing out of Jerusalem. The king is there. He has defeated everyone and everything. Then everyone from all the nations who came against Jerusalem, but who survived these days, they shall go up to Jerusalem year after year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. When the Messiah comes on this earth a second time, the feast will still be kept. And even those who rose up against him and against Jerusalem Every year, they will make that pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and they will bow before him, and with great joy say, he is the king. And in John 7, when it affirms it was during that time that Jesus was crying out, there's living water, Jesus was begging and pleading and proclaiming at the same time, wake up, people. The fullness is here for you now. Don't wait until I come back the second time and every nation is marching to Jerusalem. Proclaim me as king. Run with joy to me with nothing between us. Come now, dwell with me with joy, with laughter, with joy. Draw water out of the wells of salvation. And it's joy that's irrational. And yet, it's the most logical joy that's available on this planet. 
because it's the only joy that's rooted and grounded in eternal truth that nothing can shake and no season can diminish it. And it is his love gift to you. Saying, I'm just asking you to take a time out right now. I've put this in my calendar as God because I know you probably need this refreshment of amazement and wonder and a good cleaning out. So this is my love gift to you. Embrace it. And let me love you.